Welcome back to part three of the five-part event known as the Ultimate Clone Saga. It's a crossover with a show called Teenage Wasteland, an Ultimate Spider-Man podcast, and we are happy to have 100% more Bertoni. That's right, this particular episode has got Joshua Lab and Bertoni on it. Uh, he appeared in the last episode towards the middle, but uh, now he's on for the rest of the show, so uh, happy to have his tones gracing the presence of these Ultimate Clone Saga issues. Of course, we are covering two more issues of the Clone Saga, issue 100 and 101 in this particular episode. And uh, so, we are all, we're halfway there with this one, the three, part three of the five-week event known as the Ultimate Clone Saga. So, if you have any questions, concerns, be sure to leave us a voicemail at 818-925-6631, or you can leave us... A vo uh, email at clonesagachronicles.gmail.com Of course, uh, all your shows are up on Spidey-Dude, Clone Saga Chronicles, Spectacular Radio, and Mayday Mondays. So, as part of that network, here we are, part three of the Ultimate Clone Saga, here on Spidey-Dude.com and the Spidey Dude Radio Network. Whoa! I don't think I even want to hear your story. All of you must hear the Scarlet Spider story. My name is Ben Riley. I'm related to this reality's Peter Parker. How? I'm his clone. Or maybe he's my clone. We're not sure. I'm the real Spider-Man. I don't know what kind of mind game this is, but I'm the real Spider-Man. The real Peter Parker. You see? I thought I was that clone. I tried to stay out of Peter's life by taking on a new identity. I dyed my hair and changed my name to Ben Riley. When I became a costume hero of the Scarlet Spider, it really made him angry. The next big blow came from Dr. Kurt Connors. He discovered that, according to our genetic structures, it might be Peter who was the clone, not me. That news pushed Peter Parker over the edge. Now he hated me with a passion. This is starting to sound like a bad comic book plot. It gets worse. Why didn't you just tell me I was a clone? The cloning process has proven unstable. You're coming apart. Hello and welcome to episode 47 of Teenage Wasteland and Ultimate Spider-Man Podcast. With me in the studio are Josh Bertoni. Oh, and no. Hi. What's up? <laughs> and Donovan Grant. What up? What up? How's it going, everybody? And we have decided to duplicate and clone this podcast to join up with the Clone Saga Chronicles group. So we also have Mr. Zach Joyner. Woohoo! It's good to be here again. And Gerard Delator. Hello, everybody. And enjoying while you can because he's not going to be here long. Zachary Henderson. Just had to <laughs> list me last. <laughs> and Jason with H the last name. Oh. H is fine. <laughs> Jason <laughs> Hotness. Jason Hotness. Thank you. Jason Hotness. Uh, Damn we right. Have, like, we, we should give you like a, a different last name every time we say it. Oh, that would be awesome. And like your real one would be in there at some point, but like no one, no one would, know. would know. That'd be funny. 
<laughs> okay, we are continuing the Clone Saga Extravaganza Alpha Omega episode. Holographic covers and everything for the ultimate Clone Saga. And this, this episode we're going to be covering issues 100, the big one, and 101. So the since one we have not as big as the big one. Yeah, and the big one's not even as big as it wants to be because so much of it is just, you know, non-story. <laughs> it, well, I'm being told better I than the page. Black Cat, where, like, it was an exercised issue, but most of those extra pages were full-page panels of Black Cat breaking into a museum. Well, I mean, you needed those full pages in order to fit all of her goods into the into the panels. <laughs> um, well, I remember a lot being really pissed about that when that happened. Uh, one second, do 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 do. As he's okay, running away, one hundred. Okay, so Ultimate Spider-Man one hundred was released the day after my mom's birthday on September twenty seventh, two thousand six, with a cover date of That's November. My birthday. Your birthday is the twenty sixth or twenty seventh. Twenty seventh. Okay. Well, on Gerard's birthday, the day after my mom's birthday. Not- All right. During this time in history, we were uh, being treated to some more JMS stuff. So. Yeah, I miss those days. I know, they were good stuff. Damn it. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, we got Clone Saga Part 4. It is written by, of course, Brian Michael Bendis. Penciler is Mark Bagley. John Dell and Drew Hennessy are the inkers. Justin Ponsor is the colorist. VC's Gary Pettit is the letterer. Brad Johansson is the production specialist. John Barber is the associate editor. Ralph Macchio is the editor. Joe Quesada is editor-in-chief. Dan Buckley is the publisher. The covers are by Mark Bagley and Richard Asanoff, which is the one that's a homage to um, Amazing... Or, which is the one that has all the Spider-Man running around that has the 100 on it. And the other cover is the alternate cover, which is by um, by the same team, but it's it's, it's modeled after uh, Amazing Spider-Man number 100. In fact, they say after John Romita on the actual credit page. Our issue opens with Richard Parker standing in the doorway and Peter asking some questions. They find, they embrace as Aunt May looks pissed off at the world and crying. Aunt May has a freakout, continuing our freakout segment from last issue. And then Peter starts freaking out back. They argue and start bickering. Richard starts checking on the on Gwen to make sure, you know, checking her pulse and seeing everything is okay. He asks if she's hungry and. And Richard then pulls out a bottle of cola and some pizza. We then cut to Oscorp, where we got M&J, who has just woken up from her procedure. Kane is talking about how this is about how it's this is not the way to keep up a state-of-the-art laboratory. Suddenly, as Kane is talking to MJ, he gets spacked, S P A C K, by by a hooved foot. That's right, it has hooves, like a Ninja Turtle foot if you will. And then, the next page, our epic splash, is a six-armed Spider-Man? We then come back to the Parker home, where we've got Gwen eating pizza, and Aunt May looking, standing up, still looking perturbed. Peter is asking if his mom's still alive. And then Richard starts telling his story. We start flashing back to the Venom arc, where we first got the mentioning of Richard Parker. We see 
Eddie Brock as Venom and Peter chasing after each other. We believe uh, it looks like a, a replica of some news footage back then. Then we go back. Then we cut back to uh, the Parker room where Peter's asking more questions about what happened, and we've got '90s Peter in the flashback. <laughs> Sorry, I have to reference that. <laughs> '90s Peter in flashback uh, at the plane at the airport, deciding not to go on the plane. There's an argument between Mary and Richard, and Richard being sad because, well, he pre- he's pretty sure they would have gotten divorced had the plane not crashed. Uh, Peter then asks if uh, how Gwen if uh, how is Gwen alive? And we saw her dead. And now she's alive. She's alive. Is she alive because of you? And then of course he says, "Yes, actually, smart boy." Cue back to the um, to the to the. I'm going to call him Six Arm Tarantula and Kane, the Scarlet Cane, as they're fighting at Oscorp <laughs> over the over the life of Mary Jane. The the tarantula is arguing with Kane about about what he's doing, and and then Kane seems to get the upper hand. Of course, we cue back to the the Parker household where he's telling more of the story about what happened afterward. We get a scene where we've actually seen this scene before back in the early days of the Ultimate Universe, where we have Ben and young young Aunt May playing with Peter shortly after the, after the plane crash. We also get the very first appearance, I believe, of Henry. Or Gurich. Or, or Garich. 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 Yeah, Garich from CIA. Um, and of course, Peter's like, okay, what does this have to do with Gwen? He's like, but I'm getting there. It's been 10 years. Okay, there's a ton of backstory. The CIA officer makes him makes him an offer he can't refuse, which, which would mean he was working for the CIA. Finally, Peter asks again, why, how is Gwen alive? He's like, I'm getting there. Cue back to Peter and <laughs> Venom's fight as Peter's, Peter's nearly being absorbed by Venom. Richard walk, uh, watches in disbelief as he sees Peter climbing up a wall, apparently due to the camera footage, because Peter is so careful about his secret identity in this universe. <laughs> He's 15. I sense sarcasm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Richard asks uh, the CIA agent, who is he? He goes, he's your kid, and Fury's already got to him because part of uh, of Richard's objective was to take down Nick Fury. Finally, we uh, as you on the next page we have the confrontation between Richard and May Parker. This was some months ago, it seems, but this is why Aunt May is really upset with with uh, with Richard's just showing up out of the blue. We also cut to a scene, I believe this was not long after Peter and Mary Jane started dating where they're making out and you have this uh, <laughs> this goofy looking grin on, on Richard's face. Uh, Gurich comes around and is like, you don't, you don't get to. You don't, you, if you reveal yourself to him and then you reveal yourself to Fury and then our situation is compromised. So finally, as things are starting to, to wrap up about finally getting the explanation of Gwen – you are surrounded. My name is Mick Fury. I'm the Lido Shield. I can't, oh, do Fury voice. I can't do a Nick Fury voice. I'm sorry. Uh, he's like, I recommend. So basically, he's saying um, he's not screwing around, and we've got the very first two page splash of the Spider Slayers. Cut back inside, and um, Gwen starts freaking out again. And Mr. We, Fury, don't make me angry. 
You wouldn't <laughs> like it when I'm angry. And then after a ad for interior art for X-Men First Class number one and a couple of ads, we finally get to the uh, to, to the. I'm actually looking at the issues. I'm talking about it. We finally get to the splash page of <laughs> the reveal that Gwen is Carnage. <laughs> As Carnage crashes through the window, Aunt May starts to have a heart attack. Then cut to a cut to the final scene of the issue, where we have Kane looking with a devilish grin, saying, "Congratulations, MJ! It's an all new you." <laughs> and that's how it ends with a "to be continued." Okay, and then after that, we get a, a wonderful little note by Ralph Macchio. So, uh, looks like three pages or four pages of pinups from Mark Bagley. A little sketch. Uh, sketchboard of Mark Bagley and Ultimate Spider-Man, and then we get a complete recap by John Barber of the Ultimate Spider-Man saga, which pretty much takes you all the way up through the current issue. I believe, yeah, up through issue 99. So then we get we get a letters, two pages of letters, and that is how the issue ends. Two pages of letters in which it is revealed that Mark Bagley is leaving Ultimate Spider-Man with issue 110. Actually, it's not revealed here. They're res- responding to letters about that here. So that that came out like week, just a few weeks before this episode. This issue went to print. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right, that's right. Uh, and ironically enough, as we talked about in the last episode, Mark Bagley left during the Clone Saga. After he did the Clone Saga in, ult- in the Ultimate Universe, he leaves after one more arc. So, well, he has to get past the Lee Kirby uh, mark. Yeah, that was their. I don't care what they say. That was their goal all along. <laughs> all yeah. along or once they started approaching it they realized they could yeah the, 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 that, that's what I mean it wasn't like well Mark left because this was the organic it wasn't organic they right. like well this is a good stopping point after the Kirby thing by the way it says he's issues. leaving an issue 110 but he actually ends up doing another issue beyond that and he actually does a half issue before after that yeah his last full issue let's, let's, let's be honest okay for starters this book is 399 and is really really heavy but that's misleading because it's actually only 31 pages of story. And then the rest is a bunch of like filler material. Like Zach said, there's a like aborted cover gallery. There's a, uh, like a sketch gallery of like character designs. And then they have like a saga recap of the thing up to this point. For, and, for paying but, for four ninety nine, you get only 30 pages of actual story. I went back and counted three, three ninety nine. Yeah. Three ninety nine. Okay. Three ninety nine. And, and it's actually 30, it's actually 31 pages of the story. Go back and count again. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was 31. Excuse me, I'm sorry. It is 31. I, I, I can excuse you. You're from the South. Oh, sorry. That's hey. At least I'm not a damn Yankee. Oh. But, yeah. but just, 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 to, just to advocate for the devil for one moment, <laughs> if you have a 20-page story being extended to 30 pages, that is a half-again increase. And okay. you only got a one-third increase on the price, and you got bonus features. I don't like math. <laughs> yeah, but I'd rather have 48 pages of story. I'm sorry. I still don't like it. I'm just saying. Well, you, anyway. But, go but ahead. I guess, I guess the point I'm really trying to get to is when I actually first bought this issue, I felt really, really cheated. But not because of the price, but because I thought the issue, like even just picking it up, would have had more pages. And the actual ending point of the story is like right after the like staple point midway through the comic. Yeah. Well, I'm turning the pages, turning the pages, and then I'm expecting the story to go on for like ten more pages, and I'm like, 
what that's the end right there the presentation was not really really well done the the that giant first class uh four page ad really didn't help then on, on top of that you had another ad then you have this the final splash page i'm sorry that was not very good well done well uh, actually it's funny the, the four page x-men ad the insert ad yeah the next issue is where the 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 spittle hits the fan because the next issue actually has a, a insert ad that disrupts the comic because it's smack dab in the middle of a two-page like continuous spread thing let me look at 101 yeah in fact i, I actually remember bendis was online telling people to rip that out of the comic like, he was actually really pissed about the the placement of that but that has nothing to do with issue 100 so why am i even mentioning <laughs> but yeah the, the actual like the saga recap story while it's nice to put in there, I, I I can speak selfishly as somebody who at that point had already read every issue. That that felt like a waste of a lot of space because that thing goes on for a lot of pages. But anyway, that has nothing to do with the actual story. Yes, I just actually ripped out that uh, insert. I never knew him to do that. <laughs> and Thank somewhere you, Brian Michael Bendis is smiling. But on to the actual content of the story. Um, most of it is taken up by Richard's, like, really overly long history of how he got to this point. And like I mentioned the last time, your mileage varies on whether or not you ever bought that that was Richard Parker. And as somebody who didn't, I thought this issue was an enormous waste of space. Because I, yeah. at some point I was thinking, okay, you know, this is interesting. Are they actually trying to tell me this is a real guy? You know, I'm still very cynical, not really believing it. But the fact that the, what, what what makes that so disappointing is that this is the 100th issue. Like you expect, like some kind of like super big, like you know, blowout. Like even. like how issue like how issue 50 was. It was a big giant oversized issue of. Uh, okay. Well, yeah. no, 50 was a disappointing <laughs> anniversary issue too because that really didn't go anywhere either. That was like a regular issue that was like blown up. Like if this oh. weren't smack dab in the middle of a story called the Clone Saga. <laughs> that was going to go somewhere else with Richard, finding out he'd been alive all this time, and finding out this backstory would be a great issue 100. The fact that it, this is all going to get freaking deleted out of existence next issue... Well, yeah. Is it next issue or is the issue after? Next, next issue is next issue. when they first start hinting to the fact that he's not really Richard. Okay, yeah, but th- that's exactly my point. Even... But, I, I guess it let, more so in retrospect, but even at the time, I, I thought this was an enormous disappointment for the 100th issue. Especially since, you know, the cover, or the variant cover, I should say, patterned after Amazing 100, which was a crazy issue. The one where, you know, where he gets, like, the six arms and all that. I mean, this thing was kind of a disappointment. In and of itself, it was an interesting backstory. But the fact that it's in issue 100, I didn't really buy that it was Richard the whole time. I, it was disappointing. Um, the appearance of that extra clone brought me nightmare flashbacks of uh, maximum clonage. Because at that point, that's like what? You've got the Kane Peter, you've got the Scorpion Peter, you've got this extra six-armed guy now. <laughs> I, I had already begun to suspect that three other characters were also clones. I, I was starting to feel the, the maximum clonage sort of aspect of the story, and I did not like that. Um, even... I mean, granted, this is not nearly as bad as Maximum Clone. Well, you know why they put the six-armed guy in there? No, I don't. It's because it's yeah, issue I, 100. Please enlighten me. Oh, well, it's, yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's, that's a great answer for it. And, and, yeah, okay. 
I mean, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. that's why they waited to introduce him in issue 100 because that's a, that's a direct homage to issue 100 of Amazing. That actually makes a lot of sense. Oh, okay. Not, okay. I, oh, ooh, okay. Because the six-armed clone was the one that seemed the most out of place to me. Yeah, that's why that's why they introduced him. I mean, that's purely the only reason why. <laughs> and he has to do in the rest of the story when you think about it. Yeah, he, didn't, he really didn't have much. He didn't really have much to do with the rest of the story. He was just there to be Except, there anyway. Well, well, I can't ruin that. We'll, we'll explain that later in issue one hundred three. What happens to him? <laughs> but the one it's not thing pretty, that, folks. <laughs> I, I think I think we can all agree, or maybe we won't all agree. I don't know. But the thing that was the absolute worst, worse than wasting all that space with the with Richard's story. And and you know worse than this whole uh, you know extra clone business in the thirty one pages, <laughs> warnage, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. Wait 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 hold on a second was this the, yeah this, this oh. is the issue where Gwen burst into co- okay sorry I had a moment with pieces right. of her with pieces of her pajamas flying all over this black the, the Gwenage Gwarnage Gwen Carnage Warmage whatever the hell thing is going on there she turns into Carnage. Why? That is such a terrible, like, it, immediately after she shows up, which is part of the reason why I was so disappointed by it. Well, at this but, point, it's the third issue. Well, to yeah. be fair, they've been hinting about Gwen being carnage since, like, before issue 50. But, yeah, I was just about to mention that. <laughs> Thanks for jumping, because the, it, there was an old letter, because remember, all the yes. letters pages have a really inconsistent history. But there was that old letter page where Ben has actually written himself where he joked that Gwen is going to become Carnage. And he now, did it in a Fantastic Four one, too. He did this oh in a couple of times. Yeah. Ultimate Gwen Stacy is Carnage, or Ultimate Carnage is Gwen Stacy. I forget how he phrased it, but yeah. Yeah, he totally pulled that. Now, I'm thinking, okay, that was a one-off joke that was unrelated to this. I'm not a conspiracy theorist that's going to go and say that he planned out that far ahead because I seriously doubt it. Especially since there are other issues between then and now that actually contradict certain things from earlier and all that nonsense. So I don't think that was something he planned that far back, but that is way too bizarre of a circumstance. Maybe he was sitting there drinking with Bagling was like, hey, remember that joke I made? Remember that joke I made on, on the letters page that one time? Oh, yeah, dude, that was hilarious, dude. You should totally make her Ultimate Carnage. Yeah, dude, let's do it, man. <laughs> well, you know what? We'll throw it issue 100, bro. Yeah, let's do it. Just to throw it out there, that was only about two years earlier, and I've often heard that Bendis plans his, his stories out about two years in advance. Ultimate. Okay, anyway, um, sorry. Yeah, I, I, just... I never bought the whole two years in advance nonsense. Okay, that's fine. I, 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 I think Secret Invasion proves that that was never the case. <laughs> um, yeah, no, really, it was. No, really. That Secret Invasion. That almost sounds like something Bendis made up himself to float out there just to impress people. Like, oh, I planned these things years in advance. You just don't know it. You know. After he said Gwen was Carnage, I was like, haha, that's funny. But then Carnage was supposed to be like one of the next arcs after the Hollywood arc, and then at the end of the Hollywood arc, Gwen finds out that Peter's Spider-Man, and then she gets a gun, and like she's gonna come after him. Like they're gonna make Gwen Carnage, but then like they talked her down. Yeah, although they do have, oddly enough, again random connections. They do have that alternate Bagley cover in here. That would yeah, I, I just turned to that. And I'm like, that was actually a really good cover. It's too bad they didn't use that, but whatever. Um, it's a lot better than that um, Heroes for Hire cover. 
Don't 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 talk about that, please. <laughs> um, but anyway, the, the overall, this is really like for. I, I think if it wasn't number one hundred, I wouldn't have such a low opinion of it. But the fact that it is one hundred, and you know, the whole carnage and another clone showing up, and that super long story, I'm giving this. I would say this is about a D plus kind of story. Okay. I really, I really disliked it. Good Bagley stuff, but the uh, the story really was losing me at that point. I was like on the edge of like, you know, okay, I'm kind of along with this, but after this point, I was just really disappointed. Although, ironically, the story does pick up after this point. I think like 104, 105, that kind of stuff is actually pretty good issues, but this is like the doldrums. Yeah, it's kind of like the real clone saga. <laughs> Started off good. <laughs> Kind of wandered wandered around the middle and then ended really well. I guess that was the problem with structuring it to be eight parts, or I guess nine parts. Nine, nine parts, parts, yeah. If you count the epilogue, if 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 the story had been like maybe six issues, I don't think this would have happened. But you know, asking Bendis to write a tightly plotted six issue story is kind of a stretch, anyway. Because his six issue stories really should have been four. Exactly. <laughs> And a lot of his two-issue stories really should have been one-offs. So, yes, John. <laughs> and continuing, continuing the math. Um, <laughs> well, while I'm conscious. Um, I, th- I thought it was a good issue. Uh, the whole... I, I wasn't expecting Gwen Stacy to be carnage poop. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, that just, that just really cracks me up. I, I was... Um, the stuff that I, I was actually legitimately surprised about what was the, uh, you know, we find this not true later, but the whole revelation about Peter's dad and, and that Aunt May knew about it. I thought that was really interesting. And uh, I, I, I like the subplot with MJ being captured by crazy, melting Peter and the other clones who are all like, we've got to find MJ, we've got to find MJ. Uh, I, th- I thought it was a good issue. Um, you know, I agree it should have had a bit more for an issue 100, and I don't like that they make you pay 3.99 for it, and it's not extra story; it's just extra backup features. Well, I mean, you, much, you get eight much... extra pages. I mean, or nine extra pages, but yeah. Okay, but all they are is like, as much as I love Bagley art, I don't like it when they're like, oh, it's you know, extra size, and by extra size we mean like we're throwing some extra crap in there that's not relevant to the story. I don't really care for that. Uh, overall, it was it was. I, I thought it was a lot stronger than the last issue. I I'd give it an A minus. Hey Zach, what did you think? Okay. Um, well, I I like this issue. I'm going to disagree with Gerard a little bit. I I really like this issue. I thought it was really it, the one thing. That one reason I like the Ultimate Clone Saga, probably out of all my all the uh, Ultimate books, is that there was a constant buildup. Through the first four issues, even though issue ninety nine was kind of filler a little bit, but there was always it, it always was be moving forward. Really, kind of it's going at a slow but fast pace. It didn't. It's not like see, I felt like everything was a steady clip, really steady clip up even up through this point. And I I'm looking, but again I also when I reread these I I am rereading them in order, um, so that could be why, <laughs> uh, but. You know, it, as a fan of the Clone Saga, he did. I think he hit all these right notes. You've got the six arms Spider-Man with the reference to 100. You've already got Kane in the in the 
in in the knitted hoodie sweater um, that looks like Ben Riley's old costume. You've got uh, the Scarlet Spider, Architrope, uh, Spider Woman, and you've got uh, what was the other one? There was another clone. I know there was another clone. Richard Parker. Oh yeah, well, and the Scorpion, which was a reference to uh, one of the last issues before the Clone Saga, spectacular arc before uh, Clone Saga started hitting. So, anyway, in fact, if you read the uh, fun fact, if you read the first trade of Clone uh, Complete Clone Saga number one in the uh, in the pages that are in between uh, Birth of Spider-Man and Grace Responsibility, there's actually a couple references to the Scorpion. So, there's your Clone Saga tying it all together by Zach Joyner. <laughs> so, so uh, um, I tried counting. I think there's 65 um, Ultimate Spider-Mans on this uh, on this cover. I could be wrong. There could be a hundred, and I just didn't. There's something that I missed. Uh, funny story. When I got this issue originally, uh, I got a misprint, and so like I'm reading along, and I'm reading the story with Richard Parker, and and then I'm reading, and then I'm reading, and then I'm reading, and then all of a sudden. Uh, I'm reading some more, and then it's the same thing. And I'm like, did I miss something? So I keep going back, and then uh, you know, it's like, what the hell? And uh, what happened was, from the moment, um, like I got the incomplete issue, and then it's reprinted uh, again. Like the like I got the the uh, the back pages, like with the splash page, the unused covers, and everything. I got that twice. Uh, and I got the, I got the artwork with um, with Richard telling the story twice. So I actually have a little memento keepsake because it's actually a misprinted issue. So that's kind of cool. A uh, little odd fact. Um, but other than that, I'm going to give this a solid. Uh, I'm going to give this a solid B. What what was Gerard's grade? Does anybody remember? I think he said D. D. Okay. So. I'm, I'm keeping track for this because Ger- Gerard actually has like this giant um, Excel spreadsheet with all the grades. Does he really? Yes, he does. That's hilarious. <laughs> yes, because that's yeah. a very hilarious and OCD thing. Oh, I don't know anybody who does OCD things. I don't know what you're talking about. A pot meat kettle, John. <laughs> Especially with Excel. Like you've told me about your Excel documents. Some of my best friends are spreadsheets. <laughs> <laughs> I believe you. Uh, and don't tell me you don't do the same damn thing. Come on now. Me? No, John. <laughs> I yeah, can't use Excel. I, no, yeah, I have I have spreadsheets, and I had an access database that had all of the Star Trek books listed in it that I made myself, and lots of stuff. So I know all about OCDness and keeping lists and all sorts of things like that. Okay. So um, moving on to um, Ultimate Zach. Yes. Okay. Well. I got a feel for Peter, Dad showing up, and you know, with all this backstory that they put into making you think that it's the real character, I actually really did feel kind of cheated once revealed that he's not. Yeah, I know, right? That was that. Just we'll get to that. <laughs> I know we keep saying that. Um, I feel like a regular episode of Monster Chronicles. <laughs> Aunt May just is kind of a little stinker in this issue. I just really do not care for her. And she's really channeling some Ellen DeGeneres looking. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't know why I find that so funny. 
Well, I mean, look in the page right after uh, the six-arm spider clone is there in the middle panel, the very middle of the page. Just looks exactly like Ellen DeGeneres. Like like an old version of Ellen DeGeneres. You're right, uh, with the man hair and everything. But um, I really liked uh, the six-arm clone. I thought he looked spectacular. And uh, I just really didn't like this whole backstory that they gave for um, Richard. I was just like, that's there was no need. Yeah, that, that's I, I referenced this in the rundown. But if you look at like the way he drew Richard, and you look back at '90s Bagley, holy crap, it's exactly like. It's exactly like, like how you like that last panel on the on the first on, where in the in the airport, that very last panel. You take that picture and and put it next to a a, a, a Peter Parker from when he, when Bagley was drawing in the nineties. It's exactly like him. Well, that's cool. I like that. That's a tie-in and everything. Um, Nick Fury, who I have a love-hate relationship with, as in I love to hate him. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, he's kind of cool at times, but I didn't like him here. And uh, Gwen turning into Carnage, I was kind of like, what? You know? I was like, okay, maybe she isn't a clone. Maybe she's what's left of the original Carnage or whatever, you know? Yeah, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> and then Aunt May's whole heart attack thing. I thought she was dead for sure. <laughs> so, which is kind of funny because she did have a stroke in the original Clone Saga, and was incapacitated for a part for a long. A God, long part Zach, you're on it tonight, man. I'm not catching you. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, the Easter eggs you pull out of this is just just extremely epic, and the and I'm gonna have a, a Spider Dad on our message boards going, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> so I'm making you, I'm Don, if I'm am I making you look at this story completely differently now? Well, I, I still enjoy it, but you're, you're making me appreciate it more. Yeah. Well, thank you. I hope that's what the whole point Dude, is. you're talking about how he, like, beats up Scorpion in, like, the first part of the other Clone Saga. Like, he rips his costume in that one, doesn't he? That's how, yeah. ult- that's how Ultimate Scorpion gets unmasked. Yep. Well, in, in that actual issue, uh, he's not wearing the Scorpion costume, but on the cover he is. And he's his costume. Yeah, wow. <laughs> <sighs> so much Easter eggs. John, see, this is why this is why you had to invite us on, right? This is exactly why I brought you on. <laughs> <laughs> you needed the man, dude. And what was Gwen wearing in um, that Birth of a Spider-Man backup when she confronts Ben Riley? More than she uh, should have been a, a red dress. <laughs> More than she should. Have been. No, <laughs> no, but she was like wearing like a very skimpy like pajama thing or nightgown or something. Oh, was like she? Here. Yeah. So are, are you good, Zach? Um, yeah, let's see. Great. Um, it, it would have been like an A had it not been for all of the backstory on uh, Richard Parker. So for that, I'm going to give it a C. Okay. Okay. Um, I really, really like this issue. And I really, really hate this issue. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever I read this the first time, the fact that Richard was a clone of Peter did not even occur to me. 
Call me naive. Call me just caught up in the events. I was of the, the story. same way, dude. I, I didn't think same. about it. Seriously, who the hell would have called that? Like, like how are they even um, good? Well, evidently, Gerard. Especially when he's flashbacking, like back to the airport and everything. And so I was reading this issue, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is where Peter's father's been this whole time. This is such an awesome story that you know." And it tied in so many things from the Venom arc, you know, just little things that he had thrown in there that he was now fleshing out. Thought this was so cool. And when I finished the story, I didn't go back and think about how, you know, 100 no longer fit and made sense. I just kept on reading the next arc because I was reading them all at one go. Now, going through and knowing what this is going to do and how this is going to play out, this is the biggest pile. I mean, there are some good parts. There are some decent bits. And I guess... It's an interesting backstory, even though it's a complete fabrication. But because it's a complete fabrication, I just this issue really, really bothers me. Um, I, I guess I really echo a lot of things that Gerard said because it's issue 100. This should be a celebration of everything that is Spider-Man. Instead, we have 31 pages of lying. <laughs> well, it is a lie. At least it's better than – at least it doesn't fall apart like some of the other really big-name arcs that, that Ultimate Spider-Man has had. Yes, this one, it, it, it goes off the rails, but it doesn't really fall apart internally like Hobgoblin and Venom and, and to a certain Ultimate extent Spider-Man Carnage. Daredevil. And uh, Ultimate Six. Ultimate Six, yes, completely off uh, – so um, – <laughs> okay – just pulling out some things that I had written down as I was reading it. Um, they're sitting around eating pizza because pizza solves everything. I'm a firm believer in that. Um, yes, I, I give it a C. Uh, Zach, I don't know if you're predicting me or saying your own grade, but yeah. This is a C. Um, <laughs> that was other Zach's grade. Oh, okay. Mine. Does Mary Jane look different in this issue to anyone else? I don't know if Other it's, than the fact it, that she's crying. Like in the two pager where she's in the chair looking up into heaven and Kane is like talk right before he gets his face. Her hair is off. different. Her hair. Who who kidnaps Mary Jane in the clone scene? Yeah, we, we we talked about that too. Yeah, you, yeah, this this is Kane capturing Mary Jane. And um but, but yeah, just her face just does not look like her face, especially the last panel on that two pager. It's not Bagley's usual rendition of her. She has she's supposed to have, you know, a more rounder nose, and it's it's just a different face. I don't know. Um, Yay for six arms. Um, Totally didn't catch that this was issue one hundred, and that's why the six arms were here. I just figured it was another take on ideas for Spider Man. if there's anyone listening to the audience who also listens to Amazing Spider-Man Classics, we'll be hitting that issue 100 around uh, 2012. Um, <laughs> if we're still here. If we're still doing the show by that point. No, I mean if we're still here, like 2012. Oh, that doesn't happen until November. We're going to hit this like to, early to, in the to year. To put another podcast, if we're all still alive, able to do podcasts and or like each other. No, the the Mayan calendar says that in the year 2012, the because the last guy most. died as he was making that carving. I mean, goddamn! I don't even think it was that. I just think they decided to stop making calendars. But I think the they end. Of that, 
<laughs> I think the end of that is in our November 2012. I think it's about they re- they rebooted the calendar. You know, they needed they need they needed more sales for the calendar, Julian, because pe- people weren't going to buy calendars with like such high numbers as 2012. Um, they, they 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 went back to the original numbering when they got to the year 3000 because they wanted to sell more calendars. <laughs> So, knowing what we find out later, I do wonder, looking at the flashbacks of the relationship between Richard and Mary, and how tense they were, I wonder how much of that was accurate. Why is that funny? So, Richard says that Peter's the spitting image of his mom. Um, Ironic, since uh, Peter and Richard are identical. Um... If Peter and Richard are identical, well, I guess I mean I mean it, I mean I, you would think that Aunt May would recognize Richard Parker, but I guess not. At the top of one page, uh, Richard says, "At first, I thought I was in a lot of trouble. I didn't do anything. I mean, I didn't just just tell me why you're here. What does this have to do with Gwen?" And Richard should have said, "Come on, Peter, you've read The Lord of the Rings. Sometimes you have to sit around a big table and spend eighty pages explaining your backstory." You're really pissed about this, aren't you? I was trying to make a cool geek moment there. Lord never, of the Rings. I've never read Lord of the Rings. Okay. Book two, chapter two is exposition capital of the universe. Seriously? They all sit around a table at Elrond's house and spend 80 pages explaining the backstory. And that's what issue 100 is in Ultimate Spider-Man. Um, I love Lord of the Rings. I do too, but they do. I've been waiting 100 issues to... You know, they do. They they spend story. eighty pages explaining why the story is important to the universe in which it takes place. <laughs> um, so Richard spends so much time telling the backstory he doesn't even have time for the punchline because Nick Fury attacks. And I actually forgot when I was rereading this and doing my notes that we didn't already know that Gwen Stacy was Carnage. In my head, it's like Gwen Stacy and Carnage are so linked up. That when she showed up and I was rereading, I was like, oh, yeah, okay, there's there's Gwen Stacy Carnage. But we yeah, don't actually know that. Gwen Stacy's Carnage. That's right. Laura Bush killed a guy. Lots of backstory was useless. Henry Gyrick uh, had never been brought into the Ultimate Universe before. Uh, he's a big player in regular Avengers continuity, but this is his first appearance in Ultimate World. Um, and the only other thing I wanted to say was, what do we think of the Spider Slayers? We actually saw them, like, Full body. Are they supposed to be more of like a visual riff off of the jury from the nineties? The jury from pre clone slaga? Yeah. I don't know what they looked like. They're like like tools and robots suits. I don't know. There's only so many ways you can draw a robot. <laughs> but we're gonna try a new one every single time. Um Joiner, do you think they look like the jury? A little bit, but I that uh, I don't see that that tying in so much as some of the other stuff we've talked about in these past three episodes. They're not very mobile. I mean, the Spider Slayers are supposed to be like you know go after Spider Man because he can you know climb all over walls and stuff and swing around. I, I mean, supposedly I, I suppose you could be talking. I mean, we were talking about Spider Slayers. I mean, it kind of you know the Return of the Spider Slayer story with involving Peter's parents. Before the Clone Saga, 
So you could kind of say it kind of ties into that. I mean, this that part's kind of like a giant love letter to the 90s because it was you had the 90s series with the Spider Slayers and all that good stuff. This isn't just Ultimate I, Clone Saga. This is Ultimate 90s Spider-Man. Yeah, basically. I mean, uh, from like 90 from 93 through 90 96. I mean, it's like that it's like condenses down that 3 years of stories. Into one. I, I think that's reaching a little bit because Spider Slayers have been around for a while, and the Spider Slayers from uh, pre Clone Saga that was like forty issues before the Clone Saga or so. But it was part of the Peter Parker's parents, which is being brought into the Ultimate Clone Saga. Yeah. Yes, yes and no. I'm, I, 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 I'll give you everything else, but this, I, I don't know about the Spider Slayers. Okay. Um. And, yeah, that's all I have on here. Um, Josh and Don, who wants to go next? Fight for it. Uh, Josh has solved with violence. <laughs> he can go. Yeah, well, uh, it was really interesting when Gwen turned the carnage. I uh, kind of saw that coming, cause I, but, of course, that's because a lot of people were speculating online. Really weird, though, because now, like, if Peter and her ever dated, Peter would be dating carnage. That would be weird. <laughs> if that were yeah. to ever happen. Yeah. Um, it, wouldn't be, feel- it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be weird at all if you know, every element of Carnage was eliminated from her body you know, later. Well, if every element of Carnage was eliminated, then she would cease to exist. This is true. If every element of John Wilson was eliminated from your body, it, it, it wouldn't leave a separate person. Until I assimilated Bertoni first. But anyways, that, that's for another oh, episode. Okay, no, <laughs> that's not how it works. I don't know when you wanted to do this because you said like issue. <laughs> we'll we'll get to so, it in a few minutes. Okay, yeah. Uh, I got a big uh, lost vibe when I was rereading this. The whole like everyone sitting around having a flashback, and then he's talking about like watching her walk off on the plane, and then the whole like backstory. I'm, I'm hearing that sad lost music in my head during that part. You, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Do, do. when he's talking about the mom dying which of course only cemented in my head yeah this is the real Richard Parker because how else would he remember this and then they even did kind of like the thing that TV dramas like not just Lost but Smallville and all the other ones will do where they do previously on the show and they tell you everything that happened since the pilot which is kind of what those last pages are doing it's like previously on Ultimate Spider-Man Here's every single thing that happened up until the last issue. Well, I mean, if, if you've got people jumping on to issue 100, I mean, it, well, yeah, I mean, it, it, issue 50 was a better jumping on point than issue 100. But it wasn't in Ultimate Spider-Man at this point. You got to realize the sales weren't like ridiculous, where they had such a very limited print run, where you know, back issues were selling at like what 60 bucks a pop or whatever. Yeah, I mean, you know, little here's something really, really minor and kind of trite, but when Richard Parker is looking at Peter on the viewing screen, and he's like, he looks 10 years old, and then the other guy's like 15. Okay, uh, 15-year-olds and 10-year-olds look really, really noticeably different. Yeah. I, I know that that's kind of trite on my part. It's like a really minor thing, but that bothers me. Well, in, in Ultimate Spider Man, they, they always say, it, like, Peter, like, what are you, 12? Like, what are you, like, they always like, kind of insinuate that he's young looking for a guy. Yeah, he's young looking, but. It sounds like you said young and looking for a guy. 
<laughs> that was just weird. Yeah, that, I'm on yeah, that right now. Um, I, I I really liked the cliffhanger of Mary Jane's POV. She wakes up and Kane's like, "Oh, it's the whole new you." That got me looking forward to the next issue. Like I said, at this point, I'm still buying um, that this is Richard when I was reading this originally. Aunt May's behavior. I think pretty the much only the, I think the only person that didn't buy it was was Gerard. But Gerard's jaded. I think Gerard's lying. <laughs> Gerard Delator is a liar. <laughs> so, so for the record, I, I, we were talking about how well it was selling. This issue was number five that month, but the previous month, ninety-eight and ninety-nine, were at twenty-four and twenty-five on the sales chart, with the annual being number twenty-nine, as far as sit, ranking. Yeah. Okay. So they, 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 the the series was definitely much lower than it was when it was you know starting out and going. If you really want to see uh, Peter looking like a ten year old, though, the bottom of panel of uh, first panel, bottom of page one, where he says Aunt May and Richard saying, "Come here, Peter." I don't know. They, they always drew him like a child in Ultimate, which that's not really a criticism on the arc. That's just the art as a whole. I, I really wasn't as insulted as John was about this whole thing being a lie. I was just along for the ride, and uh, again, I, I couldn't see. And I'm still wondering, like, were these all just false memories or something? Because obviously he didn't really work in the science lab, and he wasn't really at the airport, and that's probably not how it happened. Uh, Nick Fury is a gigantic douche. I'm so tired. I'm <sighs> Such a do, Peter, you're under arrest. It's... I've cleared out the whole neighborhood. We're all going to fight you. It's what? Well, why don't people sit down and talk? And, and especially Nick Fury and like Daredevil and everyone. It's just everyone's always like you know kicking Peter down. It's really annoying, and no one ever has a conversation. It's like uh, in the Venom arc uh, or before the Venom arc when Nick Fury was like, "Well, when you're 18, we're coming for you." Ha ha ha! And then 20 issues later, it was like, "No." Uh, uh, oh, yeah. work for us. Did I come off as a douche then? And now he's like bursting in through his neighborhood as his life's falling apart, saying, You're under arrest, and I bought a bunch of robots to kill you. Not really a lot else to say. I like the variant cover a lot. The variant cover is really cool. Um, Donovan, finish us up. Oh. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I will concede one of Jar's points that. Uh, as a century milestone 100th issue, this was kind of, I don't want to say a letdown, but it was sort of misplaced because with, with, with issue 100, you always thinking of like something big to happen. And there were shocks all over this entire arc. So this one, the shocks in here didn't really out equate the ones in the other issues, I don't think. But by that, I still really enjoyed the heck out of this issue. Like, uh, like, like Josh, I um, I was totally sucked in the whole Richard Parker thing, but I will say, knowing that he, knowing what we do now about him and the story, I, I I'm not I'm not upset about it, but it is at the same time the the thing I'm asking, like I guess we'll be able to address later when the story is done. What was the point of doing this, just to, to specifically dick with Peter? Because if that's the case, mystery villain, master planner, whoops, uh, will it? Uh, is no, really, you're is right. Really, the, the Richard Parker thing does not really have much of a play in this whole story, does it? I mean, that's, that's, that's my main thing. Like, 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 this is completely pointless. Yeah, he doesn't, ultimately, he doesn't really have a point. Uh, uh, just to mess with the reader. 
Yeah, that's it, to mess with the reader. Issue 100 exists to mess with the reader, and that's why it fails. <laughs> that is why you fail. But it's Anyways, like, go ahead. But, but, like, I really, really love the story because, like, it's, it's the Clone Saga with, like, a lot of hindsight. I mean, there's all these buildups and these crazy things happening, but, um... I mean, I wish I was here so I wouldn't, I wouldn't technically be talking behind his back, but like, I think that a lot of the shocks he kind of felt were just sensationalistic, I would assume. And I, I just thought, you know, they were like, you know, this this is just some genu- genuinely good stuff. Like when the multi-armed Spider-Man comes around, I I wasn't expecting that. And it's like, it's not, it's, if this was in the 90s, it would just be a Spider-Man with a costume. But it's it's somebody who's a Spider-Man, but he has six arms. He has a completely new costume, which I think is a cool design. It's cool. And like I, th- I thought the fight scene was really good. It was really well drawn and action packed. I thought the the first scene with Kane, his face looks like pizza, man. It it looks really pleasing. It's a, it, this this is some excellent art, badly artwork. We say on CSC how we prefer his stuff he did in the nineties, but this is still still some very top notch A plus artwork. Um, I, I agree that, that I'm 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 tired of Nick Fury always saying, you know, we're coming for Peter Parker, your life is over. Well, actually, we weren't really all that mean to you. We just had priorities. They actually point out in the story, you know, Nick, they, they, people kind of see Nick Fury as a megalomaniac who kind of wants to control the whole world, which I think is a, I think is a pretty good uh, interpretation of it. But um, I actually I actually really like this story. I'll, I'll give it an A, not an A plus, because it is. I let down of a 100 issue, a 100 issue, but as an issue itself, it's. I, I also like Carnage. I'm not gonna lie. I, I wasn't like wow, but I was like okay, this is this is crazy, but crazy to get away. So, I like everything they're doing. I, I really like this story, so I'm giving it an A. An A. Ultimate Spider-Man 101 was released on October 25th, 2006, with a cover date of December, and Donovan has the story. Yes, sir. Clone Saga Part Five. Writer Michael Brian Michael Bendis, penciler Mark Bagley, inker Drew Hennessy, and just Drew Hennessy. Colorist Justin Ponzer, VCs Carrie Petit, who is, is the letterer. Rich Ginter is production. John Barber is associate editor. Ralph Macchio is the editor. Joe Casada editor chief. Dan Buckley is the publisher. This issue starts off with a splash page of Gwen Arnage or. Carnage Stacy, or whatever you want to call it, the Gwen Carnage creature attacking the mob of spider slayers while Nick Fury is calling for backup. We cut to the ultimate version of the Tinkerer saying, oh, I thought you just wanted to plan these spider slayers for Peter Parker. And he's like, don't, don't mess with me. I need, I need all the help I can get. While well, he demands the spider slayers to fire on the Carnage creature. The blasts enter the Parker home where Mick Parker is still clasped from a heart attack. And Peter and his, and his father are wondering what to do. Peter thinks she, Peter wants to grab her, take her to the hospital, but Richard says that you know moving her around will kill her. So he decides to jump into action while he leaves Ahmed with, with his dad. Peter attacks Nick Fury while the Fantastic Four eventually come in and say, "What's what's going on here, Fury?" And, and Fury's like, "Okay, Richard, get, get your get your pals out of here." While Ben is taking on Carnage, Sue Storm enters the Parker Building and asks how exactly she's doing. Richard says he had no idea what to do, which which has uh, Sue is clearly mystified by this, or, or at least curious. So she uses an invisible force field to take Aunt May out of the house and into, into a nearby hospital. While this is going on, Peter still attacks Fury. So Fury demands his spider slayers to attack full power on the beast, knocking out everything and turning Carnage back into Gwen Stacy. 
naked and unconscious. After this, Nick Fury puts the other on Peter again. And while Peter's asking, what did he do? What did, why is he being arrested? He says, you didn't do anything it's because of his clones. So just before Peter is about to be arrested, we cut back to Mary Jane and the Peter Parker clone slash ultimate Kane. He's, ex- he's expositing that he in- injected her with eyes that transformed Dr. Octavius into Dr. Octopus and Norman Osborn into the Green Goblin. Doing this will help her protect herself and not be killed by one of Spider-Man shenanigans. While she's talking about that, she eventually turns into a giant, hairy, bestial creature. And that is where this issue ends, to be continued. Okay, so who hasn't gone first yet? Gerard, have you gone first yet? Okay. Um... I, I like this issue. Uh, I don't know why we need. Well, no, Gwen Stacy naked, I guess, works. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I thought this was, you know, an improvement over the last issue. Uh, well, where'd I go? <laughs> I lost my. You guys are distracting me. <laughs> uh, I, I thought the whole thing with the mod Mary Jane was really interesting. <laughs> Screw you, Don. Uh, no, it's it's. It, my, I guess my biggest complaint about you know Mary Jane turning into I think they said it was Ultimate Demo Goblin, is that after this story arc, it's never followed up on. Mm-hmm. Are you serious? Uh, they really call her that? Uh, not not she, in the she, story. She's not in the story, but it was in a. Uh, oh, is it in one of the Ultimate Source books, or it was in like Handbook of the Ultimate Universe, or some, one of those? Google it. Uh, yeah, something they said it was Ultimate uh, Demo Goblin. Uh, I like it. I, I thought this was a strong issue. Um, Bagley's art really is really good. Well, it's almost always really good. I'll give this. What's our grading scale? Are we doing out of five or out of ten? I don't remember. I think on a, a letters. Oh, letters. Or okay, uh, that's fine too. I'll give this an A minus. I thought it was good. And just to confirm, yes, uh, Bendis on his own message board said this was Ultimate Demo Goblin. Okay. So yeah, see, that's what I thought. Now, as far as it ever being followed up on, they do theoretically erase it by the end of the story. But I felt the same way that there should have been something that to do something this major to her should not have been a. Oh, the story, it's over. Well, well, actually, at the end of the story, there's that one time where where they show her like have that flash in the mirror, and she like grasps grasps her hand. So I I thought that there was kind of a dangling plot thread that it's mostly gone, or they've covered it up, but it's not completely gone. And I thought maybe we'd see that again. And um, then the reboot happened, and it, we didn't. I'm pretty sure that it was <laughs> shown again in a later issue. Nope. Really? I'm pretty, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure uh, Peter Parker and Kitty Pryde were talking in some bleachers, and Mary Jane's hand started shaking like that again. See, I'm wondering if that's just nerves. And I guess we'll talk about that when we get to um, issue pregnant. 105. But um, I, I read that as nerves. Yeah, ultimately Mary Jane is pregnant. <laughs> I'm sure there's some fan art that shows it. Oh. Say that after annual three. So you'd say um, a minus. A minus. A minus. Uh, Zach would uh, non-ultimate Zach, Joiner Zach, the Elder. What did you think? <laughs> the Elder. Wow. Um, this was you okay. Sounds like something in Illuminati now, Zach. <laughs> right, Zach the Elder. Mm. Uh, this one was okay. I really wasn't a great big fan of the um, um, uh, the number one, the Fantastic Four showing up out of nowhere. Oh yeah, Fantastic Four going to show up. Oh yeah, that's cool. <laughs> um, you know, I don't mind that. 
but I really, 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 this is my least favorite part of the story in terms of Ultimate Demo Goblin. <laughs> I mean, no. I mean, like, <laughs> like the way they, the, the Bagley draws the, the, the creature, Demo Goblin. Part of, it doesn't even look like a woman. It just looks like a man. It's weird that like there's a whistle. Well, of you smoke can't show a teenage her... girl naked. I mean, what they no, do but... in the next issue? Oh, well, yeah, okay. There's a wisp of smoke covering what could be something, but then the next issues, you know, she's just run- running around, you know, hairy and naked, and they don't care. <laughs> she's a hippie now. I'm yep. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody living in a hippie commune is, is going to be getting offended by that. Oh, hippies don't have technology. Who cares? Bullshit. <laughs> Amish hippies. Okay. <laughs> Just funny on a couple of levels, actually. Um, yeah, Demon Goblin is kind of weird. Yeah, that's my. So I want to give this. I want to give this a C. This was not my favorite issue. The bunch. Ultimate Zach. Yes. All right. Well, let's get started on my. Discussing of this. Uh, first thing I want to say is the cover. I really like the cover. With uh, Carnage right there in front of Spidey. I thought that looked pretty cool. Um, I really hate Nick Fury. <laughs> like, it just, I just hate him. And it's he comes off kind of stupid in the end when his whole reasoning is, is revealed. Why do, you hate, why do you hate Nick Fury out of curiosity? Is it because he's a dick or... Is it because he's like black? Oh. <laughs> no. The best of both worlds. No. <laughs> oh no, you didn't! Even, even I wasn't going to go there. Jeez. <laughs> it's the best of both worlds. Oh wait. Y'all are talking about that, are you? <laughs> Side note back. about that. Uh, I walked into my friend's kitchen the other day, and I said, hey. And he said, hey, did you know Miley Cyrus is Hannah Montana? And I was like, you mean – I was like, what? <laughs> did you not know? <laughs> and then he was like, yeah, because everybody knows. I'm like, are you talking about on the show? He's like, no, in real life, dude. And I was like, oh, I'm cereal. That's like that – that's reminding me of that scene in a mob. Zombieland, where 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 the one gir- the young girl is trying to explain Hannah Montana to, uh, what's his name? Woody Harrelson. Woody Harrelson's character. Never yeah, seen you- Zombieland. None of you have seen that movie. Wow. Emma Stone's hot. Speaking of which, Emma Stone will be playing Gwen Stacy in the upcoming Spider-Man Crapfest. Well, sorry, be, I mean uh, reboot. Will she be naked with wisps of smoke around her? Maybe. I, I was I feel a chomp. I mean, if you're gonna be true to the comics, you know, you really should be true to the comics. <laughs> but it's not. Exactly. But it's not Gwen Stacy who's naked with smoke around her. It's MJ. Uh, this issue, Gwen Stacy, when she gets decarnaged or whatever, she's naked. Yeah, Demo Goblin has a little bit of smoke, but Gwen Stacy is standing there all in the all together, clothed in the light. <laughs> I'd say. Um, yes. One else. One other thing I have to say about this issue and this series is, I don't understand the need to bring every other superhero in the ultimate universe into this story. I was, um, there's no Wolverine. There is, there is Wolverine. Uh, when the X-Men show up, uh, Iron Man and Captain America show up in the end. So it's just like, Hey, let's just bring every other title on for this. 
It was more like cameos, though. Yeah, but still. Yeah, Ultimate Spider-Man was kind of known for that. Ben is like to play in other people's sandboxes. And not share the toys. But, um... <laughs> this is true. High five. <laughs> so, okay, it was it was an alright issue, other than the fact that Nick Fury sucks. <laughs> so, there you go, there's that. I give it an I for incomplete. Stuart, <laughs> I haven't explained to us why he what? sucks. I just don't like him. <laughs> okay, it but because... it's not because he's black, right? Not because he's black. He's bald. No, I like I like bald people. They're cool. Good, because I'm bald. Well, Do there you, you go. Pulp Fiction memories. I love Pulp Fiction. I, I just no, don't. Just like, I just don't like him in this story. No, it's okay. I mean, he's he's an asshole, really, a lot of the time, especially with Spider-Man. And uh, it's not till like towards the end of the story, whenever. Sue's like, you're being an asshole to the only kid in the world who likes you. You know that, right? And he's like, well, that's oh. Cause, that's because he's Samuel Jackson. And as awesome as Samuel Jackson is, when is he ever not an asshole? And I say that as a huge Samuel Jackson fan, just for the record. Frozo? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> where is my super suit? <laughs> you tell me where my suit is, woman! <laughs> <laughs> well, this went off topic quickly. So, um, the Tinkerer showed up in here, and for those uh, in the audience who don't know, it's introduced in the Silver Sable storyline. He is so uninteresting in the Ultimate version that that's all I have to say about him. <laughs> um, I can't even do a, hmm, terrible Tinkerer kind of voice. Because he's not that kind of guy. Um, so after the epicness that was the backstory of issue 100, that when I first read it, I was oh so in love with. We get to hear where Richard Parker doesn't know how to be a doctor. Not all is as it seems. Mm. And I know that I should have clued in because it said Clone Saga, but you know what? I was just rolling with it and enjoying the story, and I totally bought it. And here is when it started to fall apart. And it wasn't until the reread that I, knowing where that was going to go, that I realized that issue 100 was such a waste of time now. Um we get to the big confrontation between um, Nick Fury and Peter, and Gwen is standing there all naked. And I wish that Josh hadn't got eaten by that clone, because this is when I wanted to talk to him about the whole Garnage Gwen thing. Because they say they're going to zap her with a gun that's going to eliminate everything that is Carnage. It's like, and you expect Carnage to get blown up and obliterated and destroyed, but instead there's a Gwen left standing there. And so for me, to me, by comic book science, to say now that Peter is dating Carnage does not make sense. They they, they destroyed Carnage, and for whatever reason, there's a Gwen standing there. Maybe that part doesn't make sense. But this Gwen Gwen Stacy to me is not Carnage. I, 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 I don't, but I don't think a... it's the but I don't think it's the original Gwen Stacy either. I think the original Gwen Stacy is dead. No, yeah, oh, definitely. I mean, Carnage, I, if you want a, a half-ass explanation, he absorbed the essence of Gwen Stacy and so thoroughly that after he was destroyed, there was still Gwen Stacy behind. I know that's a half-ass explanation, but, you know, I guess it's... It's Bendis, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's a story about clones, so it's a clone Gwen Stacy that had a symbiote attached for whatever it's, it's, reason. It's no more ridiculous than the original clone saga, to be fair. 
Oh, th- you know, that's an idea there, Gerard, because we don't know this is the original Carnage. I, I assumed it wasn't, because the original Carnage was destroyed at the end of that arc. Quote, yeah, it was, it was thrown I mean, down a... Uh, uh, smokestack. Yeah, like smokestack. the original Clone Saga. <gasps> there were a lot of nods to the Clone Saga in that Carnage arc. We talked about that on the show when we did that story. Yeah. There were there were several. That's where they introduced. I'm not, I'm not read that in such a long time. Um, I feel ben, like I should go back and reread that now. Ben Riley was introduced there, and there were just several other things. Um, <laughs> and it's, Ben Riley is a black man who shows up in like two issues. Yeah, but he's there, and he comes back later. Um, in the next issue. Yeah, next issue. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, Sorry. I didn't think about this. This is a clone of Gwen that had a Carnage symbiote attached to it. And I don't, now, I don't know why that would be, and, though. And now Peter's dating her. Squick. Now dating her. But you know what? If Rose can go off with a clone of the Doctor, then Peter can go off with a clone of Gwen. I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, sorry, Doctor. Well, Rose, Rose would have complained anyway. And my eyes just glazed over by the uh, Doctor Who reference. Oh, you're missing out. Okay, so there's Peter and Nick Fury talking, and Peter's like, What? Just tell me what I did. You didn't do anything. It was your clones. <gasps> and I'm just like, You can't get any more comic book cornball than that. It was your clones. That that's that's about as far as Tell me the story of the Scarlet Spider. Oh, you must it's hear the Scarlet like Spider a, story. It's starting to sound like a bad comic book. It we, really asked, we, we really asked for this. <laughs> <laughs> clones like a Chronicles, people. Okay. Why didn't you tell me I was a clone? Okay, I'm the real spider. Sorry. But for me, when I first read this story. And I got to, which I didn't have this name for her at the time, but now I guess we're going to call her Ultimate Demo Goblin at the end. That's where I thought the story began to go off the rails. I was cool with it up till now because I didn't know that Richard was fake. Uh, and, you know, when <laughs> Stacy had just gotten revealed and I was good, I was golden. But whenever Mary Jane turned into a big, hairy red monster, I was like, what the F is going on here? Why? <laughs> So um, that is a nod to the original Clone Saga because they're doing like, what the f is going on here? You were asking the same question. Again, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's another hail. It's another callback. Yes, yeah, exactly. Did Kane and Demo Goblin ever face off in the original Clone Saga? No, Demo Goblin actually was killed right before the Clone Saga. See, okay. It's like the parents thing. It was like there was like whole. Uh, hold on. Two months. Wait, wait, Demo Goblin was killed by his, uh... Wait, the, was that, like, some, some 70s porn music on his cell phone? <laughs> it should be. It was wow. 80s porn music. Wow, wow. But yeah, it, it was like, we talked about this last time, it was like, uh, with the, the Spider Slayers, and, and like, there were a lot of storylines before the Clone Saga that kind of, not really referenced, but kind of falling congruence for this. Yes. Like Demo Goblin and all that. And um, so my overall grade for this is going to go down from my previous grades. I gave 100 a C because it was a mixture between an A and an F for my two different readings of it. But setting that aside, this one is a B. Um, so, yeah. So it goes up instead of down. Yeah, it goes up, but forgetting 100 because I just want to forget 100. You can actually take it out of the story and it wouldn't matter. Um, so who do we have next? Um, Donovan. 
you did the um, recap. So, Gerard. Yeah. <laughs> Have you talked? All right, sure. Uh, well, let's see now. First of all, um, I don't know who's reading this in trades and who's reading this in like paper issues and maybe even who's reading this in other uh, <clears throat> other digital means. But th- this is the this is the infamous. Uh, Dan Slot getting issue. pissed off. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, could not resist. I'm shutting hey, up now. Yes. <laughs> Don't get me started because that there was a whacker thing today, so I, I had to talk to you about that later. But um, this is this is the issue that has that ultimate power insert right in the middle, and the the to describe where it's placed, it's placed as always. You have to place the inserts with the, where the staple is. But a typical Bendis thing is that he has pages that go that connect across like a spread of pages, but they're panels that go across. And this thing is slapped right in the middle of a spread of those two pages. So it cuts off some of the panels, and then, like, you, you know, you actually have to take the insert out in order to read it, which is kind of an annoyance for a lot of people. And when, which uh, which two pages is it? I'm sorry. It's the one where uh, Carnage jumps everybody. Okay. Right after Ben Grimm gets thrown through the roof. Right. There's a page that starts with the torch screaming, everybody back, and shooting a fireball at Carnage, and it ends with Sue Storm walking into the room or looking for Dr. Parker. You got it? Yeah, yeah I'm, not, I'm good. Okay, yeah, right in the middle of there, there's a uh, ultimate power insert that really pissed a lot of people off. In fact, I actually recall Bendis slipped out about it and told everybody, <laughs> he, gave, he said, all right, you all have my permission, tear that damn thing out of the comic. Of course, the irony being that, you know, he actually wrote the issue that was being previewed in the, the insert. But anyway, as far, as far as the story itself, um, Peter is so whiny in this issue. Like, like it's kind of understandable, but at the same time, it's really annoying. It, it, it kind of brings when back... When is Ultimate Peter ever not whiny? <laughs> but no, but in this issue, he's nothing but whiny. In fact... When they bring the Fantastic Four in there to basically do all the work, he's just basically a whiny, ineffectual, little uh, petulant brat character that basically is only peripherally involved in the story, which is basically my major problem. I mean, I talked about a couple of, I don't even remember which episode, maybe one or two episodes ago, about how the Fantastic Four essentially just start showing up way too often in the story. This is one of those instances where they just completely start to dominate the middle of the story, and I, I, I do not like that. Um, the we I think we've already beaten the Yeti Goblin thing to death already. So I I don't I don't think I really. <laughs> yeah. But as far, I I do have to comment on the artwork, particularly because I think this is the beginning of where Drew Hennessy basically becomes the regular inker of the book. I think as far as until Bagley leaves the book, and then when Imminent comes in, he brings his own inker, but. It really solidifies the artwork and the issue. I didn't like a lot of the inking in the previous ones. Sometimes it was a little too scratchy or the lines were a little too uh, thin and and wavering and stuff like that. But the artwork really takes a huge jump up, and it helps that the Spider Slayer design is just really cool. They have, like, the spherical heads that aren't really even really heads. You could just imagine that there are, like, multi-directional sensors in there and stuff. So that was really cool. Or oatmeal. (laughs) <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, they, they do. Although they do kind of look, you know, the um, oh god, what's the name of the pen company? Bic. 
don't they have like a mascot that's like a little like round head guy and then like a stick figure? But I don't know why I'm talking about this. <laughs> it is the mascot of, of Bick. Yeah, it looks kind of like that, but but awesome. Like if that guy was doing steroids, it's the XK, XKCD people come to life. <laughs> yeah, but overall, I mean, it was kind of a slightly below average issue. Which I mean, like J- John says, this is the point where he thinks the story goes off the rails. I I, I also kind of think that it had gone off the rails from the kind of earlier than this, but at the last couple of parts where it actually picks up. So, I don't know. I think the best parts of the story are still ahead. It's just that this is in sort of this weird like doldrum period where you can where you can see that it was dragged out too long. Where like this wouldn't be a problem if this was only like a you know, four or five part story, but making it nine parts is where these sort of uh like I, I don't know, I don't even know how to describe it, but it's like their peaks. They're obviously like valleys in the story. Yeah. Really? So I, I would give this about a I would give this about a C minus. It was a little below average. And Donovan, Mr. Recapster, what do you have to say about your book that you recapped? Uh, what do I have to say about it? Uh, yeah, I agree that this is probably my uh, or probably the uh, least effect- effective of the issues in the saga. Um, I kind of I kind of <laughs> going last. I guess I, I guess I kind of feel like I, I feel like I'd like to. Uh, refute some of the other uh, players here's uh, points. I mean, like... No! No one I really agree with is, is like, the, like the, the utter toolishness of Nick Fury. I mean, he really is, like, he's really saying, you know, Peter, uh, stop, you're taking it, I'm, you know, you'll never be Spider-Man again, you're under arrest, blah, 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 blah. When, like, everybody their mom is telling him, with with, with good reason, you know, he's, he has nothing to do with this. And he his, his reason, his reasonings are revealed later on. But it's still, like, it's still really stupid. I don't know. That, 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 could, would, that could have been done a little more believable. I think it would have been funny if at some point during this issue, uh, Nick Fury yelled out, yes, they deserve to die, and I hope they burn in hell. Yes, they deserve to die, and I hope they burn in hell. Just like that. I'm sick and tired of these... Mo- All right, no, I won't do it. <laughs> what else? Uh, oh, yeah, the... Fi- I like- I guess I don't mind the Fantastic Four being in the story because, like, they've been in the story since, like, relatively the beginning. Everybody's like, every everybody's been kind of shocked, like, why are the Fantastic Four here? Well, they were there issues before. They 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 are involved now, and um, just you know, with Spider-Man's relationship with the Fantastic Four in the regular universe, it kind of makes sense to me. Um, I don't think it was very intrusive, but I really like the way Batley was drawing them. Um, My theory on that is that he had um, too many. <sighs> exposition or plot threads that needed following and not enough characters to do it. So he brought in the Fantastic Four because either they were easily usable or because he helped create them and secretly has a crush on Susan. Well, what, what, what exposition do they give here? Well, just not here, but like they bring the Fantastic Four here and then for the rest of the story, Susan is doing stuff. And, um, you know, Peter is, you know, wrestling with the fact that he has clones now. So she's secretly solving the problem while he's dealing with the problem. I don't know. Just I don't think it's a good I, way. I, I guess I, I guess I guess I'm more accepting of that than uh, most everybody else. But uh, yeah, my last thing is that you know, I, out of all the twists and except for issue, there's a twist. There's some goofy twist. This is probably my least favorite because it's like the most ridiculous. Okay, seriously, this is called Ultimate Demo Goblin. This sucks. It really sucks. First of all, it doesn't look anything like the goblins because she looks like 
uh, some kind of like bestial Beauty and the Beast kind of monster with pecs. <laughs> and um, I don't know. Like, there's nothing uh, this, demo this, goblin this, this about was, her. This is the one thing that was not needed. And, um, you know, they could have either di- done something different or left a surprise or whatever. But, like, I just thought this was the one thing that I really. It took me out of the story. Everything else, I was either surprised or like, whoa, what's going on here? But this one was like, my mind just said, okay, no. But at the same time, it doesn't, I don't think it makes the story go off the rails. Because that implies that the story never comes back from that. I do think it it went too far. But, um, I mean, that being said, I, yeah, I I like issues better than this one overall. But I enjoyed how the story was going. So I guess it's like a B minus. Okay, um, so that wraps us up for this episode. Um, we have more Ultimate Clone Saga crossover goodness coming at you tomorrow with issues 102 and 103 of Ultimate Spider-Man. Um, that's all I guess I have to say. My name is John Wilson, and on behalf of myself and the Zacks and everybody else in the room, uh, please come back tomorrow, and thanks for listening. Woohoo! Boom, 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 boom.